0: We are in our Church in the Wild series, and if you've been tracking with us, um, what we've been doing is we've been walking through the book of Acts. I know not everybody's been tracking with us because some of you are new. And so let me tell you where we've been and where we're going because we are wrapping up this series. See, the whole point of this series and what we've been asking throughout the book of Acts is we've been saying, as the people of God, what we don't want to do is we want to learn how the Spirit of God works in us and then through us to advance His kingdom. As we read the book of Acts, this is what we're trying to do. God, would you show us how the Spirit of God is working in us and through us to advance your kingdom? Not just as an individual, but as a community, as a family, that God would show us what He's doing in us so that He can move through us. And how we've been doing this just really practically is we've been going chapter by chapter. Sometimes spending a couple weeks on a chapter, sometimes combining a couple chapters, and we've been looking at each of these chapters and it's been a ton of fun. We've gotten to have a lot of people share. You know, Ryan Walker, who's serving with the kids right now because he's either preaching or working with the kids. He's like our best kids worker ever. And if you work with kids too, you know, just make it a competition to see if you can uh, be better than Ryan. But Ryan's my, my favorite preacher. He's funny. And if you guys have ever seen his notes, it's like one page of just like thoughts. And then he preaches and it's like powerful and incredible. Just hearing from him, we've gotten to hear from different people in the Antioch movement of churches. We've gotten to hear from Mick Murray and Drew Stedman, And it's just been really great to hear different voices and different perspectives as we've shared and we've walked through this series. And here we've come to the last three weeks of this series. And you're like, wait, three weeks? We've only made it through like Acts 16, 17 so far. How are we going to do the remaining 11, 12 chapters in the last three weeks. Well, how we're going to do that is the fact that 17 through 28, if you've read the Book of Acts, you know you can actually scan the QR code up there. We throw that up there, Richard. We've got a reading plan you can jump into. If you haven't read the Book of Acts, go ahead and scan that QR code, find the reading plan, dive in. If you've read it, what you realize it's happening in chapter 17 through 28 is it's incredible. It's about the church moving forward. But it's also pretty repetitive. It is, you know, there's there's like four chapters where Paul goes to like 12 different cities, and the same thing happens over and over. And it says the same thing happens over and over. Paul walks into the city, he goes to the synagogue. The Jews get ticked off at him, so he goes to the Gentiles. The Gentiles receive him. A whole city gets ticked off at him and then throw him out, move on to the next city. And that's what like four chapters are, till finally Paul gets arrested. And then it's like a four chapter dialogue of Paul between Paul and some, some Roman officials about what they're going to do with them. And so what we wanted to do is take these next three weeks and where we've been going chapter by chapter, we're going to approach it a little different. We're going to say, what has been taking place throughout the book of Acts and in these remaining chapters and how can we see the theme of what is happening? And the theme that we're looking at is that the church prevailed. The church prevailed prevailed no matter what took place. No matter what was happening, the church prevailed. You know, Jesus said something in Matthew chapter 16, which you will probably be familiar with if you've been around and you've read the Bible. It says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus speaking to his disciples, specifically Peter, he says, And I will tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. That word overcome right there is another word, it's the same word that Jesus used in Luke 21. In Luke 21, beginning in verse 34, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's, he's letting them know, like, hey, the world is going to get crazy. You're going to experience crazy times in the world. And, and here's how you need to approach it. He says in 34, be careful or your hearts, notice he speaks to the heart. When the world gets crazy, when the chaos of our society feels like it's a lot, what gets attacked is our hearts. Be careful, our hearts Will be weighed down by the carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life, and that day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all of those who live on the face of the whole earth. No one's excluded. Be always on watch and pray that you will be able to escape. That's the same word that he used. I know it says overcome in one and be able to escape in one, but we will be able to escape all that is about to happen, and you will be able to stand before the Son of Man. That word that's used right there, where we translate it to able to escape and overcome, is the Greek word katishoi. We tr- I tried to practice earlier, and I told these guys I was just gonna like speak it with confidence, and then I just like botched it. So we've got it right here. Katashuo is how we're gonna say it. Katashuo. What that means, what that word actually means, is that we would prevail. That we would be victorious. And here's how the Greeks would have said it. We would be victorious against forces that come against us because we have access to greater power than the forces coming against us. That is what it means to prevail. We are victorious because we have access to greater power than that which is coming at us. To prevail means that we can access more than what will come at us. The things that come at our hearts, the things that come at our minds, the circumstances that feel like they will overwhelm you, we have access to a power that allows us to have victory in those situations. And what we're going to do over these next three weeks is we're going to look in these chapters, in in the book of Acts, what are the ways that the church prevailed? What did they lean into as a people that allowed them to prevail? What are those things that they grabbed hold on? Today, we're going to talk about relationships, you know, So much of these last few chapters, it feels like it focuses on Paul. But what Drew pointed out last week is there's a phrase that said it went from they went and did something to we went and did something. Paul may be the one that we're talking about, but Paul was with people the whole time. And then we're going to talk about how we prevail in the midst of suffering. Because I tell you what, these last chapters in, in Acts have a lot of suffering that the people went through. A lot of trials. And we're going to see, how do we prevail? How do we find victory in those moments? And then just one final sneak peek, and then I'll actually get into the message. On the 24th, you want to be here. Pastor J.D. is coming back from his sabbatical, and he's going to do an interview. We're going to do an interview with him to let him unpack you know, some of what God has done and just kind of bring us into what God's been stirring in his heart and just how God was moving in. And it's going to be really fantastic. But today I want us to, to look at Acts chapter 18 and we're going to not look at Paul. We're going to look at some people that were in his life and in the lives of other people and how they showed up for those people. And how what I want you to think through as we're going through it is I'm going to give us three examples of of ways that we can be in relationship with one another to help each other prevail, to find victory over the things that are coming against us in life. And what I want you to do is I want you to think through, okay, what is one way I need one of these things? And what is one way I can be one of these things for somebody else? So as I give you these examples of ways that we can be with each other as the people of God, helping each other find victory. I want you to highlight for yourself which one do I need, and which one can I be for somebody else in my life. Okay, we're going to look at the couple Priscilla and Aquila today. Priscilla and Aquila—they're—they're they're talked about, um, you know, five or six times in the Book of Acts. They're mentioned in the Book of Romans. Paul mentions them in. Corinth, they're, they're people that were really influential in the early church. They were Romans and Jews. Aquila, who, you know, it's one of those rare times in the Bible, which I love, that Priscilla is mentioned before her husband, Aquila. She is known in the scriptures as a gifted teacher, an incredible Leader. She was also came from a very prominent family in Rome. And her husband, Aquila, was a Jewish man who was a very prominent business leader. And they were very influential in the cities that they lived in and what they did. And they partnered with Paul, they were friends with Paul, and they mentored the early church to see them grow into who they were called. To be, And so we're going to look at three examples of how they did that and talk through what does that look like for us to do that. And and what are the things that keep us? Because here's the deal. I know we're talking about people today. I would be willing to bet that every single one of us have some sort of wall that goes up in our hearts when it talks about being with people, especially in the church. Yes, we're here. We're all sitting in the room together. But there's an emotional wall that goes up because chances are every single person in this room at some point or another has been hurt or offended by somebody within the church. So when we talk about saying we prevail with people, whether we recognize that's what we're feeling or not, there is something in you that might be like, hold on, I'm going to listen and kind of respond to this. But there's part of me that's going, yeah, we'll see. Some of us are aware of that. Some of us are unaware of that and how we respond to that. But my encouragement to us today is to lean in because we prevail with people. We prevail through relationship. Side tangent, the reason we're wired to be that way is because God is a relational God. From the beginning of all things, He is relational. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, It is baked into who he is and how he wants us to live. is to live in relationship. So we can't run away from this. You want to walk with Jesus, it means you want to walk with people. That's the way he's wired, that's the way he works, and that's the way he lived. So if we want to be with him and be like him and live the way he lived, we have to be willing to be committed to walking with people. We have to be willing to, to go through the hard places and even reconciling some of the places of pain and hurt that we have, letting the walls come down so that we can find healing and enter into that. God, before I even just start unpacking some of this, for those of us that um, that, that feels pre- prevalent today, Like I know I've done some stiff arming of relationships as I try to self-protect. God, I pray that um, we would see you today as our protector, the protector of our hearts, so that we can uh, stop trying to be overly self-protective of ourselves and let people in in a fresh way where there's pain, from relationships in the past, especially within the church. God, we ask that you would do a measure of healing today that allows us to take another step to walk with people. Okay. The first way that... And I'm just going to teach. This is not going to be like I'm preaching, all right? I'm just going to teach today, okay? We're going to look at Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. The first way that we see Priscilla and Aquila... Being these prevailing people helping the church overcome is in friendship. They're just friends. Let's read Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come to Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered All the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, they were in the same business, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue to persuade Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy, his other friends, showed up from Macedonia. Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching and testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. It says that Paul stayed with Priscilla and Aquila. Here's the beautiful thing that we don't always see when we read a simple phrase like that. What it means is that Priscilla, Aquila, Paul, Timothy, and Silas all lived together for at least 18 months. They lived in the same house and went to work together Every single day for 18 months. What would happen if you lived with some of people, some of your friends, for 18 months? You went to work together every single day. Chances are, you'd get to know each other pretty well. You'd get to know some good things and you'd get to know which one doesn't do the dishes. You know, you, you would learn some things about people. And, you know, if we've learned anything from Paul through reading through the book of Acts at this point, is Paul doesn't shy away from confrontation. So chances are the things that bugged Paul that Aquila did, Aquila learned about. Paul brought it up to him and said, hey, I'm not happy about this but they developed a friendship. They stayed together. They had to work through their problems. They had to bring up their problems. The scriptures don't go and say, you know, Paul and and, and Priscilla and Aquila lived together for 18 months and here's the problems that they worked to. That's something we can infer by being human by sharing life with one another. You share a room with somebody, you're going to have some conflict with them. But the reality is is they needed that friendship. They needed that thing. The reason that we know that is because Paul later explains to the church in Romans, The church in Rome. He writes Romans to the church in Rome. You know, so he later explains to them, and he says, I want you to greet Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila have now gone back to Rome. They had to flee Rome because Claudius was kicking out the Jews, but when that ended, they went back to Rome, and a church is being established there, and Paul is writing a letter to them, and he's saying, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my coworkers in Christ Jesus, and get this, they risked their lives for me. Not only for me, but for all the churches of the Gentiles. We're grateful for them. They risked their lives for one another. Think about what Paul went through. Paul's not just giving some like flippant comment, like we would do. We'd be like, "Oh, man, I love that guy. I'd do anything for him." Really? I'm like, we say things like that, and we're like, I don't want to drive over there. He lives like That's like an extra five minutes from my house. Can he just meet me where I am? No, these were friends that literally would do anything for each other. Paul was... You know, flogged, stoned, had to be lowered out of walls to escape, had to be rushed out of cities, shipwrecked, bitten by snakes. He went through a lot, and he would say, these people showed up and risked their lives for me. Again, let me take it back to the challenge I gave you when we started. Which one can you be, and which one do you need? Some of you are sitting in here saying, I need that. I need a friend. I don't, I don't know that I got anybody that's willing to, to lay it down for me. And you need to, here's, here's the reality. That's a really vulnerable place to be. I would be willing to bet that everybody in the room has been there at least once in their life. You've been there, you've stepped into something new. There's a new job, a new season, new school. You've stepped in and you're like, I feel vulnerable. I feel alone. And inside, I may be putting on a smile. The extroverts in the room, look, we know you can put on a smile and be boisterous. But on the inside, you may be going, please, someone see me. Please, someone see me. Everybody is looking for a friend. What we have to be willing to do is to risk enough to be able to say, I need a friend. I need this. Some of you in the room are saying, I can be that. I want to be that for somebody. Let me tell you, if you're over here saying, I need that, These people that want to be that for you, they don't know that you need it until you at least say it. So I encourage you. to. This is like me giving you lots of challenges today. I made you stand up and go pray for people in the middle of a sermon. Now I'm saying I need you to be vulnerable and ask for a friend if you're in that place. Because what Paul got was people that was willing to risk his life for him in those moments. The next thing we see Priscilla and Aquila do is in Acts chapter eighteen, again verse eighteen through twenty one. Those verses say Paul stayed in Corinth for some time, and then he left the brothers and sisters, then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, and he accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. So they met there and then they left there together after they met. Before he sailed, it says he cut his hair. He was taking a Nazarite vow. We're not going to get into what that means. But when they arrived at Ephesus, Paul then left Priscilla and Aquila. He went out to the synagogues and he reasoned with the Jews. And then they asked him to spend more time, but he declined. And he said, I'll come back if it's the will of God. But he left Priscilla and Aquila there. Later, you know, Timothy. later Timothy would even come and join them and be a part of this. They weren't just friends. They were partners. What you need is friendship. What you can be is a friend, but what you also need is a partner. You need partners. And what I mean by that is you need people that are going to intentionally go and do kingdom work with you. Like, I love supper clubs. But let me tell you, every supper club I've been in is not all that kingdom advancing. We get around for dinner, and it's great. And it encourages us because we experience friendship. And that's part of being a prevailing people, is we had to have friends. But what we also need is people who are going to partner with us and say we are intentionally going out to see the kingdom of God advanced in this area that is overcome by darkness in our city. Now those friends can be the partners. It was for Paul. Priscilla and Aquila were his friends and they were his partners, But you know what they didn't, like, I guarantee you Priscilla and Aquila and Paul didn't want to split when Paul went his own way and went and did something else. You don't live with somebody for nearly two years and build that kind of friendship that you would say, hey, let's go into this new place and do this new thing and easily part. That would have been really difficult But when you partner together for for the kingdom, you recognize this relationship is meant to further the kingdom of God. So whatever I give up in it, God will give me back. See, there's, there's a place where we have to trust God enough to know that when we give up people for the kingdom of God, when we say, you know, honestly, One of the hardest things about being a part of the Antioch movement for the last 20 years is the number of friends I've said goodbye to that we've sent to other places to go plant churches. It really is. Some of my greatest and deepest friendships that I've walked with for 20 plus years, I don't get to see but every couple years because we partnered together for the kingdom. And they said, and it took them somewhere else. And it took me somewhere else. But there's something that's been done in the process. I may have lost proximity. But what I've gained is this heart connection. You know how Jesus, back in Luke 21, what we read earlier, He said, be careful that our hearts would be weighed down by the carousing, drunkenness, anxieties of life that would come on all of us. See, what happens is when you choose, and he said, pray that you would find a way to escape, that you would prevail, that you would have victory over that season, that your heart would find that victory. See, what happens is when we're willing to give up people, and I'm not saying give up on people. I'm saying to say get behind people that are saying yes to what God has called them to do, even if it means our relationship's going to change. When we choose to do that, what happens is God will make a deposit into your heart. You know those people that you interact with, that even though you haven't seen them in months or years, all of a sudden it feels like nothing's ever changed? That's not just about personality connection in the kingdom of God. That is about a heart thing that happens when you choose to say, we will partner together to see the kingdom of God and the glory of God go forth in our, in our, in our culture, in our life, and in our day. But I tell you, it will mean you will put your heart on the line. If, if you want to partner with people for the kingdom of God, you will see great victory, but you will put your heart on the line. And there will be times of sadness, which are not bad, where God can meet you in that. I just want to say that because if I don't, uh, I'm painting a false picture. But it's worth it. Not everything we do is going to be easy. Not everything God invites us into will be easy, but everything He invites us into is worth it because He's worthy of it. Okay. Last one. I'm going to have to be quick because we've got kids' workers and we want to honor our time here. Um, Acts chapter 18, verse 24. Paul has left, Priscilla and Aquila are still there a new guy shows up, a guy named Apollos. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home, and they explained the way of God to him more accurately. Here's the last thing I want to hit on that we all need and we all need to be for somebody is Priscilla and Aquila were mentors. They saw a a gifted young leader and they took him in and they gave him some coaching, some help along the way and then they sent him out. And he went out stronger than when he came in. They were friends, they were partners, and they were mentors. The reality is, is you need a mentor. You need someone who's going to help you grow. I don't think that conversation, that first conversation, probably felt too good to, to Apollos' pride when people pull him aside and say, hey, let's explain what you just said a little more thoroughly because there's some things missing. I know if that happened to me after this message, I'd be a little like, that hurts a little bit. (laughs) But thank you for coming along and helping me grow. If we're going to prevail, if we're going to overcome, if we're going to be victorious with what is coming at us in culture, in your work, whether it's through online presence or whatever it is, whatever's coming at you, you need people. You need friends, you need partners, you need mentors in your life. And I know this sounds simple. And, and some of us are like, yeah, of course, this is a no brainer, man. I'm like, I don't know why we spend a Sunday morning talking about this. The reason is, is because our culture and our society has gotten increasingly isolated. We were already on that. Ch- and you may not think so, but we were already on that trajectory before the lockdowns that took place in 2020. We were already on that. On that. We were doing things more and more online, which gave us the illusion of being with people. But we, we weren't actually getting what we were created for. And then lockdowns happened, and there was genuine isolation that took place, which many of us have struggled to come out of. It was hard and we got used to it, and we got in a pattern, and some of our self-protective measure, uh, mechanisms have just continued to overpower how we live and function. So you may even be with people, but you're not really with people. You may be around people, but you're not known because there's so many walls of self-protection. There's so many layers that we've put up that are keeping us from experiencing the victory that God has for us in walking with people because we're living in these isolated tendencies. And we have to be reminded and say, OK, what way am I doing that? In what way am I really, am I really letting people into my life? Am I really, letting, am I really being a friend? the kind of friend that allows people to see the not-so-great parts of me? Am I I being that kind of person? Are there there people that can be mentors to me and speak into my life? Can I be that for somebody else? Can I give myself away and really pour myself out? the people that I'm choosing to partner with. That we're looking at each other and saying, I love you, I like you, or you know what, your skill sets match up really well with my skill sets, so we're going to go advance the kingdom together with purpose and intentionality. The question for us today is just simply, you know, what can I be and what do I need? You know, for the areas that you need something, I would be willing to bet it's going to take you saying, God, would you come and show me why I haven't gone after this? I mean, that's, maybe that's just me. But when I've got walls up that keep me from grabbing hold of something that I, that I know God I need in my life, I have to ask myself, why am I doing that? God, would you help me see that? Would you help me see what I'm trying to... You know, I've said a lot about self-protection at times, and I, today. And I, and I think it's... I didn't plan on that. It just keeps coming out because I think it's what the Spirit of God is wanting to say to us. We do some self-protecting. And I think God wants to to come and for some, he wants to reveal that he is the protector of your heart. He wants to show you that today. I think for others, he wants to let you know that it's okay to let down some of those walls. It It can be okay to let down some of those walls so that you can find relationships that you need.